When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. of the Will Raggetts Show on Purple Insider. I'm Will Raggetts, cover the Vikings for SI.com. And joining me today is a very special guest, Theo Ash, who is the co-host of the Stay Hot podcast on the Blue Wire Network, one of the top football content creators on TikTok with over 170,000 followers, and a, a great Twitter follow as well, at Theo Ash NFL. Theo, how's it going, man? Thanks for coming on. It's going well. Uh, I am, I'm in the great state of Minnesota, where I'm from, uh, Northfield. I was in Arizona. I live there. I have an apartment down there because of school. And it's always nice to come back here and get some cooler weather. It's already 100 degrees down there and just like some green, which is nice to see. I, I always love making it back here to the Midwest and, and I always love talking football. So it's great to be here. Yeah. And I want to start. Um, we'll talk about the, uh, the Packers are actually your team, not the Vikings. We'll talk yeah. about them. We'll talk about the Vikings. Everybody right uh, now is turning the podcast right off. They're like, no, nope. oh, brother. <laughs> I know. Some people will, will maybe cringe, but don't, don't turn it off. Um, we, I want to start by introducing you a little bit for people who maybe don't, um, don't know you. Um, so you are a, a Minnesota-born Packers fan. Um, and I guess maybe just describe that a little bit and how, how like, where'd your love of football start and, and your love of the Packers? Yeah, uh, well, my, my family is from Appleton, Wisconsin, which is uh, right it's south of Green Bay, about 45 minutes. And my, both my mom and my dad are from there. My grandparents are all from there. So I grew up in a Packers house, even though they moved um, states to Minnesota and, and grew up watching them and grew up when I was going to, you know, my grandparents' house in Appleton for you know, winter break or whatever. We would go up. They have season tickets for the Packers. So we would go up usually in the winter and I would get to about a game a year that way. So just kind of, even though I grew up in Minnesota and all my friends are Viking fans, I, I grew up in a Packers house and that's how that really started. And, you know, as a, as a Packer fan growing up in Minnesota, you kind of got to constantly defend yourself from, from slander and defend your, your and slander, of course, the Vikings and in, in high school and sports arguments. So that's honestly where a lot of the love of football comes is like, I need to, I need to like convince other people all the time that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a good player or like, you know, Jordy Nelson is good or whatever it was going, going forward is like, I constantly needed to, to kind of, it was, it was like an arms race of like, who could, who could know the most, who could make the best argument about things. So that's kind of where that started is, is that rivalry. And um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. I've cooled on the Vikings uh, hate a little bit going to, uh, <laughs> you know, doing this professionally now, I can't just be like, you know, yeah. the Vikings to me now are, are like most other teams where I'm like, you know, I I'm interested to see what they do always. So yeah, but that's how it started. Yeah. That probably like just kind of subconsciously was preparing you for um, having this platform where you have the podcast and you have the TikTok and you're, and you're having all these takes and 
Um, that's cool. And I, I can, I can relate to that. My best friend all throughout high school, um, was born in Minnesota and from Minnesota, but a big Packers fan. So we would always have, uh, kind of that back and forth. And we actually both went to the 2012, uh, NFC wildcard game together, famously started by Joe Webb. Um, and so that did not the game. I was, in, I was at the game before that with my Viking fans okay. where, where Peterson was seven yards short of the all time record. Yeah. And the, was it Blair Walsh who won that in overtime or right before overtime? The 2012 would have been Blair Walsh's rookie year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. When he was a good kicker and he sent them, Peterson would have had a chance to break the record if it went to overtime, but, but Blair Walsh hit the kick and it sent them to the play. It was one of the craziest games I've ever been to in person. I I wanted to ask you about that. Actually, like, do you have any, any Lambo memories that stick out? Did you ever see a, a Vikings Packers game live? Um, I haven't, yes, me and my friend also the same, my best friend is a Viking fan. We went to Lambeau one time and it was just a total blowout and he was so miserable. (laughs) It was like, I don't remember the final score, but I remember, um, Bridgewater was hurt. I think and and pond, I think it was Ponder had to come in and Julius Peppers had a pick six. I think they only put seven points on the board. I can't remember the exact details of the game. But that's probably the last the last one that I went to a Vikings okay. Packers game. That's the last one I went to. But yeah, I think some of my favorite Lambo memories are um, there was an Eagles game that I went to that they won like fifty five to seven or something like that. There was a snow game against the Texans, which was just a gorgeous game to attend. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, those are probably the ones that stick out the most in my mind. I remember even when I was like four years old, I remember going to a a preseason game against the Bills and a Bills player scored. And I just remember giving him a big thumbs down. And I thought that would really, uh, really affect That's... him being like a four-year-old do that from the crowd. But uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely some good memories there. Nothing, That's a great, I, I mean, that's a place. great stadium. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is, has a lot of charm to it. And I think that's what's, what's key. The Viking stadium is really cool too, but I always love like, especially like a snowy outdoor game at Lambeau, I think has like a certain type of, of personality mm-hmm. to it. And it, it feels very, you know, authentic. I don't, but not a lot of stadiums are like that. So I, I always think Lambeau was worth the hype. Yeah. I started covering the Vikings in 2019. I finally was able to get to Lambeau to cover a game just last year uh, for the, the Sean Mannion game. So not the greatest, uh, <laughs> Not the greatest football game, but I, I enjoyed the press box. It was cool to be there. The last time I was there before that was actually that 2018. Uh, this was, I was still a fan. This was the 2018 Vikings Packers game where they tied in week two. And oh, it was just right. so hot. And uh, Daniel Carlson missed like four kicks and got cut yes. the next day because Mike Zimmer was not having that. Um, so that was a pretty memorable one as well. But um, moving past that. So you, you went to, you go to Arizona state. You have, do you have one more year, I think. I am not taking classes because of the whole podcast thing anymore, but oh, I okay. did go to ASU, but now ASU. I'm doing enough where I'm like, I think that I can just kind of focus on this full time. So I can always go back, but right now, yes, I went there for ASU. I did sports journalism until June first semester of junior year. Then I stopped taking classes and went to focus on some other stuff full time. So yeah, I was a sports journalism major and it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was kind of a unique major and, and you got to talk to some interesting people and, um, I talked to Charles Barkley on a, on a Zoom meeting, which was really wow. cool. I talked to the author, Jeff Perlman, and that's the one that always sticks out to me because Jeff Perlman, he wrote a book on Brett Favre, which I had already read. And he was like, 
you know, if you're going to be a journalist, you should be on every social ma- media platform you should be on. You can be on. You need to put like as much content out everywhere as you can. And that's when I kind of was like bit the bullet and I made a, I made a TikTok account, which I'd been resisting for a long time. Um, but once I made that, the ball really started rolling for me and there just wasn't a lot of serious creators on there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, on Twitter, there's like all kinds of good football dialogue happening. On TikTok, it's all just little kids. So for me to, but there's some, some teens on there as well. And there's some like young adults mostly. So for me to go on and start talking about football on kind of a coherent level was, I thought, kind of a breath, breath of fresh air and really allowed me to grow kind of a young audience there. And there wasn't a lot of competition. It's, I'm not really dealing with the, like on Twitter, you got to deal with you know, mm-hmm. beat reporters, so many beat reporters from every team and YouTubers and everybody's there. On TikTok, you know, I was kind of one of the first on the boat. Yeah. And for people who may not have seen your TikTok, you do a ton of cool stuff from film breakdowns. I like right now you're doing the the interception series I saw yeah. where you're like looking at every every interception or a sample of interceptions thrown by a quarterback last year and kind of assessing blame for them or whether the receiver fell down and it wasn't their fault or, or whatnot, which is right. adding some cool context and just just things like that. But um, going back, when did you start the TikTok account? And then when did you kind of see it start to take off and and get the sense that this was maybe going to be a big thing for you? I started it in right before the 2020 season, the pandemic season. I think. Okay. And it, I had some interesting takes right away. I thought like my first ever video on there was disproving the Larry Fitzgerald has more tackles than drops stats, which I, I think everybody's heard. But um, that one, I was like, there's no way that's true. So I went back and looked at some data from PFF and their drop rate had them at like more drops than tackles. It was still crazy low, but it was like more drops than tackles and sports info solutions, football outsiders, as far back as they were tracking drops, like it was a little bit ahead of the pace that that you see. I think the number you see is 29 career drops and his drop rate is still crazy low, but that that number is like kind of made up. It, it comes from an NFL network stat that was like, um, you know, he had this many drops this season, like one, one, two, one, zero, one, two. And I went back and looked at some Larry Fitzgerald film and I'm like, okay, he clearly had like two <laughs> drops in this season and it said it only had one, but there's like very, like, even if you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt where like anything outside of his frame isn't a drop, it, it's like, these are like obviously drops. So that, that's, that is wrong. And that was like, I thought kind of interesting analysis and you know, a bunch of people got mad yeah. at me. So that, did that first video like do pretty well? It did pretty well. And then I did, I made some other videos. I was really analytically oriented to begin. I was big into football mm-hmm. analytics, DVOA, EPA, all that kind of thing. And just kind of introducing people to that and making takes based off that uh, was um, doing pretty well. And a lot of people hadn't heard that on TikTok and, and were kind of interested in that. I made one where I t- talked about how, you know, Saquon Barkley was a bad pick at number two, which two years ago was a very hot take or, you know, Aaron Donald might be the greatest defensive player of all time. He's just as dominant as Lawrence Taylor was, if not more, which, you know, is more acceptable now to say than it was, you know, two years ago. But uh, some hot takes like that, sort of everybody was kind of picking fights with me too. that were already there on that app. So I kind of came in swinging and like having these crazy hot takes based on numbers and um, I feel like a lot of people didn't love me at the beginning because of it, but it really did grow the grow the the base right away so i saw some pretty instantaneous growth these days i'm more doing film i think i've calmed a little bit i've shied away from analytics and numbers because i've i've 
found more problems with with the way that that kind of works in football. So I've I've kind of like humbled myself, I think, a little bit. And I'm trying to, you know, learn the game and the actual sport and, you know, what goes into it and the coverages and like the interception series, like, you know, picks are picks. Right. And and EPA lost to picks is EPA lost to picks. But some of those picks just aren't the quarterback's fault. So like going back and looking at those and that's kind of the arc I'm on now is I just want to be a good film reviewer. I know what I'm looking at. And yeah, that's not, a cool quite as like hot takey as I used to be. Mm-hmm. But people still like it. People still like it. It's a cool series in general, because I um, I remember in 2020, I wrote an article that was basically just like that concept, like Kirk Cousins, I think through week six had 10 interceptions, like among the league leaders. Yeah. Um, and people were like calling for him to be benched. And it was a whole it was a whole thing. Um, and I went in and I kind of I think I ranked them like from most to least his fault. And he had a couple that were not his fault, really, that were like like a Hail Mary against the Colts. And then he had one where he threw it right to Deion Jones against the Falcons and it was terrible. So um, just right. like the little things like that, where you're kind of helping people expand their knowledge of the game beyond just the basic box score stats. I think that's really cool. Um, but what's it been like just in general, seeing this, this community that you have take off on TikTok and uh, as someone who is on TikTok a lot myself, like I, I know the comment sections can be kind of a wild place, uh, kind of unique to any other social media, I think just with like, the age thing um, yeah. where it's so many like literal kids sometimes, but also a lot of teenagers and stuff. Um, but what's that just been like in general? And then as a, a follow-up, I, I'm curious what the the take is when you were first, when you were still doing the hot takes, what was the take that people got the most mad at you about? It's been fun. I, I think like a lot of young kids enjoy, like there'll be memes and like running bits that they really embrace. So I think it's, it's crucial to sometimes kind of switch it up and, and add a kind of an element of humor to some of your videos. Like, like I pretended the other day that my producer is making me push a to a top 10 narrative and I'm like being held hostage. And like, sometimes I'll make videos like that, that I'm like just joking around. And I think that kind of keeps the kids uh, <laughs> happy instead of just always being serious all the time. And especially on Twitter, I'm, I'm, I'm not always providing like super, super serious analysis. And I'm more just like joking around or um, saying things like, especially after the Packers lose, my way of coping is just like, you know, it's being funny, saying I'm not a Packers fan anymore, saying I'm going to take my talents to Detroit where they actually know how to run a team. And I think you've kind of got to embrace the humor of all that and kind of not take things super seriously because a lot of the people watching your videos are, are more attracted to you as, as kind of a personality more than just the analysis. Like I could talk mm-hmm. about, you know, my favorite albums and it would get a lot of you. I could talk about whatever. It's like, you kind of got to be a person on, on the same side of thing. It's like, Oh, Theo, Theo's a while. I, I talk about bird watching and some of my other hobbies on there too. And it's, I think the comment section, my take on that is like, I'll see some horrible football takes on there too, but I feel like a lot of the people are just kind of there to have fun and, and they'll kind of mess around or, or say this. And I get a lot of ideas from the comment section as well, because I'll te- make a video about like Daniel Jones throwing picks, which I just did. And none of the comments will be about Daniel Jones or the video. They're just like, do this next, do this next, do, do this Baker next. next. Do this yeah. Next. <laughs> do this next Baker next Wentz next. So it's like mm-hmm. the comment section, <laughs> it's not always about the video that actually is getting posted. It's, um, it's just about whatever. So you kind of got to be flexible and malleable and kind of have fun with it. And it, it's a source of a lot of ideas. And the take that people got most mad at me on is definitely my Bengals take 
my Joe Burrow take about him having a weak arm before this season when they went to the literal Super Bowl. <laughs> I thought that they would be – I thought Joe Burrow coming off an injury and he had that huge scar on his knee and they didn't fix the offensive line. And I was like, you got Eli Apple and Shadobia Wuzie and like – Trey Hendrickson is maybe their best defensive player. I'm like, the defense isn't going to be good. Burrow's not going to be – he's going to get sacked a lot. He might get hurt again. Jamar Chase was, like, dropping everything in preseason. I'm like, is this guy even good? So I was like, you know, this is going to be a bad team this year. And then, of course, they were not a bad team this year. And I – I mean, I'll be the first to say that take aged horribly. Um, and people were mad when I made it. But I was I was totally low on the Bengals, and people were mad at me about that. They thought I was an idiot, and I was an idiot. Uh, but that was kind of my logic going into it. It was just like I was I was concerned about the offensive line. I was concerned about the defense. Concerned about Chase even. And then I don't. All, yeah, I don't think the logic at the time was that terrible. I don't think people really saw them as a Super Bowl team. No, I'm sure I mean, you got Vegas, lots of people coming back to to dunk on you and take victory right. laps, Vegas but had them with the that's the internet. lowest win total, right? So yeah. it wasn't like the craziest thing at the time, but um, people were really, and then that was a running bit throughout the year. It was just like, I'm not going to listen to you because you had the Bengals take. And I'm like, you know what? All right, fair. <laughs> but that's that's part of the internet is you're going to, if you're going to put out takes, then you're going to get some of them right and look good. Um, like Saquon Barkley not being worth the number two overall pick and, some right. of them are not going to age as well. And that's just kind of just got to roll with it and have fun with it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it is what it is, but that's definitely the one where people got the most mad at me and I'll, I'll be wrong about something this year for sure. Again, cause no one this year, especially, I think you look at every single team, like even the lions or the Texans or the dolphins or whatever team, just the jets, whatever perennial basement team that there is. Uh, I guess the dolphins aren't, usually that bad but every team has some hope this year or a young quarterback even the bears mm-hmm. and, and everybody even the, the jaguars the jaguars might, right? might have a competent so, head coach now yeah right there's not one team that because someone's going to win three games right so i'm going to predict whoever i think the worst team is to have like a three-win season and then every, like i just know that this offseason is going to be like especially bad <laughs> like like at least last year you had the texans where like yeah. everybody knew that they were going to be bad but this year, I don't even think you can say that. Is about there a, well, is there an argument for the Texans being being better this year? Like, I don't really think so, but I think Lovey Smith as the head coach just that that one Lovie that one Smith confused me during the whole cycle. But Stingley. they've got Stingley. I guess he's good, but the rest of the secondary is bad. Like the front seven is bad. The wide receiving room, like Cooks, is good, but the rest of it, it's probably one of the weaker receiving rooms still. Davis Mills is your quarterback. Offensive line is okay. It, it like there's some reason for hope because like maybe Mills is good and maybe Stingley is like really good, but still like looking at that roster, it could still be one of the worst ones. So who knows? But Texans fans will still still think they're underrated. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I want to get to the, I want to get to the Packers and the Vikings and some offseason thoughts. But uh, real quick, the last thing I just so now you are doing, um, you're doing the TikTok stuff and you're doing the Stay Hot podcast. Um, just tell people really quickly about. Um, the podcast and what you guys do. Cause I know it's not just NFL. It's you, you do NBA, you do general sports stuff. Um, it's you and, and Matt and, and Bladen who are other um, TikTok guys. How did you yeah. guys kind of meet and, and, and start that? Yeah, we started that because of, we were just all, we all, all had pretty big accounts on TikTok, And, and I think that we all kind of like each other's work. And there was a, there's a company called clutch points and they put together like, this account where it was all the big creators under like one, one clutch points thing. And we all signed on to do that, which was kind of stupid in hindsight, but we did because we were just excited that someone wanted to work with us. So then me, Matt and Bladen all worked during that. And we had a group chat and then we were like, you know, we could probably do be a little bit more effective doing our own thing, our own podcast. So uh, we kind of split off on our own and we're going to do that. And then as luck would have it, Blue Wire was looking for talent and they reached out to Matt, who has like a ridiculous amount of followers on TikTok. He's got like 300 something followers, thousand followers on TikTok. It's crazy. So they reached out to him and they said, would you be interested in being like a podcast personality? And he said, can I bring these two? They also have a lot of followers. They said, sure. So we made the, we made the podcast and, you know, we, it's, it's been fun and it's kind of the same deal as, as um, our videos, except our videos are three minutes long max. And mm-hmm. the podcast is us talking for an hour. So we can get into a little, little bit more depth. We can talk a little bit of basketball, which I don't like as much as football, but I, I can talk a little bit of basketball. And um, yeah, we can just talk about whatever's, whatever's going on, really. So that's been fun. And um, yeah, that's been, it's been a lot of fun. And we've yeah. been able to go out and cover the draft in Vegas, which has been super cool. We've been out to LA uh, to, to, watch, to watch a Chiefs versus Chargers game and see some different studios. So summer league in Vegas. So it's like, man, I made this TikTok account. And now I'm, now I'm out in LA doing stuff. So it, it's been crazy. I've been super. Yeah. For it. That's awesome. And people should definitely go, go check that out uh, wherever you get your podcast. Um, so I want to, I want to talk about the Packers and Vikings. We'll start with the Packers because this is your team. Um, and I just want to, I want to know your general kind of off season thoughts because the Packers lose Devonte Adams, who I think yeah. kind of clear cut the best receiver in the NFL over the past two, three seasons. Um, Vikings fans will, will be the first to point out that Justin <laughs> Jefferson is entering his name into that category very quickly, yeah. but lose a Darius Smith who is now on the Vikings, um, but get some extensions done with Aaron Rodgers, Devondre Campbell, who just an unreal signing last June, yeah. Preston Smith, Jair Alexander. Um, we'll get into the draft in a second, but on kind of the free agent losses, extensions side, um, what stands out to you about that? that area of the, the off season for green Bay. Yeah. Well, wide receivers definitely stand out to me, not just Adams, but Hill and AJ Brown and all these wide receivers that have been moving around where I think like $30 million for a wide receiver is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And there was a time just a couple of years ago where the highest paid wide receivers were like Julio Jones at 21 million, 
like $22 million. And then the DeAndre Hopkins trade happened and he got sent to Arizona and he just kind of jumped the shark and signed a $27 million contract. So all of a sudden it doesn't take a couple of years where it's like, oh, we're matching. We're going from 22 to 23. And then the next year, 23 to 24. And the next year, 24 to 25. It's like directly from like 22 to 27. So that yeah. like accelerated things by like five years in a COVID era where the salary cap is like not growing as much because there's not as much revenue. So all of a sudden, some of these wide receivers are worth like a ridiculous amount of your cap space. And Adams is incredibly special. And I think that we're going to see a lot of Rodgers throwaways this year. I think we're going to see a lot of Aaron Rodgers yelling at Christian Watson for doing the wrong thing. And we're going to see the, the efficiency take a pretty major dip, like what it was from 2015 to 2019, I want to say, for Rodgers, where uh, it was kind of looking like he wasn't quite that MVP type guy anymore. I think we're kind of going to see a little bit more of that, although that was the Mike McCarthy era and now we're in the Matt LaFleur era. But still, I think Adams is incredibly valuable, but like $30 million is a tough pill to swallow. Um. And the team hasn't been good enough to get to the Super Bowl with Adams. And like, if you tie up that amount of money, it's it's tough to be, you know, to rebuild into maybe a better team in the future. So it was really, I mean, I love Adams and clearly he's been amazing. And I think the offense is going to suffer and we're very obviously a worse team than we were last year. But at the same time, I also get not paying a wide receiver $30 million. I think it's I think there's more talent at the wide receiver position right now than any other position. I think every year in the draft, we're seeing um, a historic wide receiver. Like, oh, my God, this class of wide receivers. Yeah, it's like three or four in a row where there's like, this is the best receiver class. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, my God. Like, since 2014, it's like this wide receiver, this wide. Okay. But this one, and even next wide receiver (laughs) class with like JSN. Uh, out of Ohio State is like, oh, is he the the best in Jordan Addison? It's going to be another great wide receiver class next year. So supply and demand of wide receivers is a little bit out of whack. I'm sad that he had to go, but like, I get it. Christian Watson, I scouted him. He reminds me of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So I kind of wish we would have just paid Valdez-Scantling and maybe taken a different wide receiver at in the second round, especially giving that pick to the Vikings, who they then used to trade up to Booth, who I liked more. So I was like, man, if Booth is better than than Watson, that would be a really tough pill to swallow because we took we took the new MVS and they got a good corner, the Vikings. So to give a division rival the ammunition to do that while taking kind of a project wide receiver, I thought that was kind of the worst move of the offseason and it involves the Vikings. Yeah, the, so. the Vikings got a lot of heat. The, the new GM, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, got a lot of heat for the trade. That they made on day one with the Lions, where they moved back Which I from. Think is deserved. I think they should have gotten all the way back. Moving that far back. That that's my thing too. When I, I've we talked and written a lot about it, is like even if you think the process of it makes sense and you won by the like the analytic charts that grade um, like career outcome and PFF WAR and things like that. And like you, if you think that that was the right process, I still think you could have gotten more. Um, right. Like using just the market value and the, the whether they're outdated or not, like the Jimmy Johnson charts that people still use and, and factor in and the the precedent of recent trades where like the bears moving up to get justin fields had to give up a future one and then so much more and that wasn't even moving up as far so um maybe it was the best offer they had at the time but... i've never i've i've also never seen i have never seen in the history of pff them say that the team that traded down lost the deal all right <laughs> so 
they all like you could trade down. I'm convinced you could trade down whatever, however much for whatever, and PFF would say you won the deal. But yeah, no. Given the recent history of trades, I definitely think like you would expect. I think there was a drop off after like there was a point where it went from Kyle Hamilton got picked at 14, and then the 15th pick was Kenyon Green out of uh, Texas A&M. It's like there's a tier drop there, right? So the Vikings were kind of in that first tier, and then they moved. But I did think moving up with the Packers for Booth um, was, and I like Lewis Seen as well. I, I think yeah. they had a decent decent draft. I just think like they could have gotten a first round pick next year. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, I think Vikings fans maybe can take some solace in that. Like if there may be people who are still frustrated about that, that round one trade, ultimately how good Lewis seen and, and Andrew Booth and, and Jameson Williams to some extent are, is, is going to be how that's judged. But to hear you as a Packers fan saying that you did not like that trade where they gave up um, the two seconds to go up to 34 and get Watson probably makes some Vikings fans feel a little bit better, but yeah, I want to ask I you just, was... just, sorry, just general um, draft thoughts from the Packers, not only that trade, but um, getting Quay Walker and Devonte Wyatt in the first round. Did, did you like the draft that they had in general? Yeah, I did. I, I mean, I liked I liked what they did on day three a lot too with Zach Tom and Romeo Dubs and um and oh the tackle from Penn State whose name is escaping me right now. I, they picked a lot of guys. The Rashid Rashid Walker. Yes, Rashid Walker, um, who I thought did a half decent job on Aiden. Hutton. I only know that because there was that video of him taking a guy down and then like doing the two yeah. humps. He's motion a little immature. I think that he he did that, and I think he like stole a bike to get to class faster his freshman year, which was dumb. So he's definitely probably got some maturity issues from that video and just kind of like some of his past, but like he's, he's an athletic tackle and, and did a decent job on Hutchinson. And in the seventh round, I thought that was good value in the first round. I liked Quay Walker a lot when I watched him, he was my, I will, I loved Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin. Um, him and Leo Chanel went up crazy, ended up going crazy late, but him and Walker, I thought were the two best in this class, even ahead of Dean and Lloyd, just because I thought that they were the most physical, like the, they were the biggest bodies and they sorted through the trash so well. And for his size, Quay Walker could also flip his hips and cover really well. And like, yes, he only started one year at Georgia, but it's, it's Georgia. Of course, you only started one year at Georgia. They have like NFL front sevens every year. You're not going to start until you're, unless you're a senior, unless you're really special. But he's got idea, ideal speed, size, coverage ability, diagnosis things pretty well. Him and Devondre Campbell and is and really the whole Packers defense, you look at it and you don't see a lot of weaknesses. And then um, Wyatt next to Clark, that filled the only other weakness I thought that we had, which was someone like a three-tech next to Kenny Clark. It was like Dean Lowry playing that role a lot. And now it's Devon, uh, like it's Wyatt, who is a little bit undersized, but just can wreak havoc in the passing game. Um, really quick first step in a variety of pass rushing moves. And like, man, you think of playing a team like the Vikings and Garrett Bradbury and like that interior defensive line or offensive yeah. line for them. It's like, man, it's 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 wraps with with those two. So I look at that Packers defense. I see Jair, Rasul Douglas, who played really well last year, Stokes, who had a good rookie year. Like if it's a nickel, you got those three out there, Amos and Savage, Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, and then Gary, who broke out last season, Clark, Wyatt, and then Preston Smith, who, who had a bounce back year last year. So it's like, I don't, that could be the best. If, if they're like 11th in the league in defense this year, I'm disappointed, right? They've got to be top five. And, the, and they're not really playing the most difficult schedule of quarterbacks with Goff and Fields in the division and 
Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they make a leap and we're playing. Well, in the Tua AFC East and, and the NFC East, yeah, AFC Vikings, so like Vikings got Jones, the same same schedule. So. Right, Mac Jones, Tua, Zach Wilson. It's like, man, this defense could give a lot of the quarterbacks on our schedule some major problems. I think mm-hmm. like, so that's what I liked about the offseason is I like our schedule. I love our defense. We've still got an MVP quarterback. Bakhtiari is coming back. Jair is coming back next year. Um, this cap situation is a little bit better because Adams didn't get paid. I'm concerned about I'm concerned about the efficiency of the offense, but I really don't think they're going to need to score that many points per game to have a, a winning record because I think the defense looks that good. Yeah, interesting. So that could be the kind of the route to staying a. a a top contender in the NFC is even if there's a little bit of a drop off with Adams gone, if that defense kind of levels up um, and some of the second year guys step up and the rookies are pretty good right away. That could be just, just hearing you read through that personnel is pretty uh, impressive. So um, let's talk, let's talk about the Vikings a little bit um, because this is a Vikings podcast. Um, And and you have an interesting perspective as a Packers fan um, who wants to beat the Vikings and then stay, stay at top in the NFC North. Right. Just in general, from what they've done this offseason, um, the big thing was this was our, our huge story in January was obviously the regime change and the coaching search and it looked like the Vikings were going to hire Jim Harbaugh. Uh, eventually, they, they end up with Kevin O'Connell to replace Mike Zimmer, who, as someone covering the team, I've been just really impressed by Kevin O'Connell so far and all the things he said. And obviously, he has a Super Bowl pedigree coming from L.A. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, mm-hmm. the analytics GM who um, – has also sounded really a lot, really impressive. Um, his first draft, we, we can't judge yet. It was interesting for sure. Um, but starting with kind of that, uh, that regime change, like as a Packers fan um, with, with what they've done so far, um, the regime change, also some of the on-field stuff, like does that scare you a little more than maybe like the dying years of the Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman era or? Um, yeah. Do you feel like the gap well, is closed a, a little fan, bit? Maybe right? the Vikings have the the Vikings have had a lot of success against the Packers recently. I feel like the Packers have been the one seed each of the past like two, three years, something like that, and they always seem to drop one against the Vikings. Like it, it just seems like like in the Kirk Cousins era, uh, they they might have a winning record against Rodgers, something like that. They they usually play the the Packers pretty well. So for them, like, and I think Zimmer has something to do with that. I think Zimmer, historically, his defenses have done a pretty good job on Aaron Rodgers, specifically. And Rodgers has spoken really, really highly of Zimmer. So Zimmer leaving, to me, was, like, good, <laughs> I guess. Like, we don't have to deal with, like, we just, like, he's just had so many, so much success against Rodgers, where I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of glad Zimmer's out of here. Um, but that being said, I think that they can build a pretty good offense around Kevin O'Connell. I, I think like Harbaugh maybe would have scared me a little bit more because I think that he's a, like his pedigree of success is just crazy considering what he did in the yeah. NFL on the 49ers and then bringing Michigan to the college football playoff. Like I think he's a really good coach, but O'Connell and I think Kirk Cousins and O'Connell work pretty well together. Cause when I look at Kirk Cousins, I kind of think of he's really efficient, right? He's especially this year. It's like, you could make the case that he's a top 10 quarterback based on his numbers. I think Kirk doesn't really dictate the things quite like a guy like Rogers does, or a guy like even Dak Prescott does when it comes to like reading the entire, I think that's kind of the difference, but if you can like point him in the right direction, he can make an accurate, precise throw. He's got a good enough arm and, and he doesn't make mistakes almost to the fault sometimes where Zimmer would like get mad at him for not being aggressive enough, but whatever. 
I think like you look at the, the, the Rams type of offense and the success that like Goff has had and the success that like Jimmy G has had in San Francisco running kind of a similar thing where a lot of like horizontal timing routes where accuracy and just being able to hit the easy thing is, is paramount as opposed to like full field reads. I think that Kirk Cousins like is like kind of a souped up better version of like Goff and will be able to hit those precisely every time. And, you know, he won't have to, you know, maybe like read everything out or make things happen outside the pocket, which he's not that good at. So I think that it's a good marriage between O'Connell and I think Cousins is going to be able to do everything that O'Connell is going to want him to do. And he's, he's going to be able to, you know, we've seen Kirk on play action under Stefanski, like be ridiculously efficient and ridiculously good in his yards per, like, yeah. I think we're going to kind of that see 2019 that season. From, he was very efficient, especially on play action. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're going to kind of see that kind of version of cousins again. And I think like statistically, like, if you want to make, if you want to say there's 10 better quarterbacks or 15 better quarterbacks than Kirk Cousins, you can make the case or, or whatever you want to say. It doesn't really matter if he's putting up top 15 numbers. Like, right. I think that like they're going to get good play from the quarterback position this year, or at least efficient play from the quarterback position this year. Dalvin, I think is a fantastic running back still. I know kind of a down year last year by his standards, but when I watched him, I, I'm still really impressed with his footwork and his vision and all that. Um, Jefferson is kind of reaching his athletic prime, which is kind of a scary thought. Uh, it, it's the Vikings, man. They always seem to have a lot of star power. Daniil Hunter coming back, and Zadarius Smith, who who is just was so fantastic, one of the more underrated players in the league during his time on the, on the Packers. I thought pressure rates always through the roof. You can put him anywhere, whether that be inside, out on the edge. You can find the weakest off the offensive lineman that the opponent has and put Zadarius on him. Right. So yeah. I think that he's. I think he's still got stuff left in the tank. And they they brought good. Mike Pettin and Mike Smith over to kind of help run the same stuff right. they were doing in in Green Bay. And um, the idea of just I think they called it the rover, where where they just move yeah. them around and and you can go attack the right guard if that's the worst player or the left tackle or or just wherever. I think that's something. Right. The key is going to be health with Smith and Hunter because they've both missed like entire seasons in the last couple of years. But in 2019, they were one and two um, in PFF total pressures. I think among edge rushers, or maybe total, I don't know where Aaron Donald was, yeah. but um, that the potential of the defense, if people stay healthy, I think is is fairly high. Yeah, no, they've got a lot of star power. They've got a lot of star power, and that's what can. The secondary is a little dicey, but like Dancer was, excuse me, he was in Zimmer's doghouse last year, but you still think like he can be a capable starting corner um, with the way he's performed his rookie year and and in a smaller sample size last year, like maybe with more opportunity. He'll be a good corner, but you could also say, well, maybe he was in Zimmer's doghouse for a reason, right? So yeah. he's kind of a wild card. Booth is kind of a wild card. Peterson is who he is at this point. Uh, Did you? Sorry, um, let me interject real quick. Did you like the Lewisine pick at thirty-two? Like, take yeah, the trade, it. take the take the trade down out of it. I loved it. I loved Lewisine. He was one of my. I think I think I had him as a top twenty player on my big board. He. I don't think he has any discernible weaknesses really as a safety. His size is a little questionable. He's a little undersized, but like, dude's got not a ton of ball production is the one other thing. But I mean, right. he can he can just light dudes up. He can fly though. So like, he's got range, right? Because he can fly. He's super physical coming downhill. I thought he's fine in cover. Like he's not a bad covered. He maybe not like tons of picks or turnovers for us, but like not a, not a weak guy in coverage either. I, I thought he did everything pretty well where like maybe the ceiling of like a, a cam chancellor isn't there. Cause he's not built like Calvin Johnson. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, size matters, but he, 
to me, it, I was looking at like flaws of Lewis seen and the list wasn't very long. I think that he's a real good safety. I think that his range is a, is a superpower. I think he's got like one of those elite special traits and that's his speed and his range and his size or not his size. He's just kind of burst. So he's got something that could truly make him special. And I think that he's pretty well-rounded in other areas as well. Good tackler and, and decent coverage and all that. So I think that like him and Harrison Smith, uh, I think Harrison Smith has definitely lost a step from where he used to be. Um, maybe not quite a all pro or maybe not even a pro bowl level player anymore, but still, still someone who, you know, you trust and still someone like who, if he's your second best safety and seen is like the best one this year or whatever. I don't know. I think like, I think that scene was a good pick is what I'm getting at. And, and okay. who too, I thought was someone who's very raw. Sometimes his flip hips will open the wrong way and it'll be turned around from where it needs to be. But the ball, the ball skills are just unreal. Um, super fast in a straight line, especially. I think that he's got his hips aren't like Trent McDuffie level good, but they are pretty good. So I thought that he was one of the definitely a great pick in the second round. I thought like late first, you could you could pick him late first, and and I wouldn't have bat in the die. So to get picks from him trading back for him trading back, and also you know getting him, it was it was a great pick, a home run. Yeah, the, the the thing with him is just going to be can he stay healthy because he played through a lot of yeah, stuff. Um, he's coming off like a core muscle hernia surgery that he had to get another surgery for after trying to repair it the first time. But the, the potential there just with the ball skills, like you see the one-handed picks, you see uh, just the athletic ability I think is really high. Um, but yeah, just I mean, just in general, the Vikings had an interesting offseason. Like we we talked about it a lot, how they there was a, there was kind of a window for them to maybe – go into a rebuild with this new regime, yeah. maybe try to get, get rid of the Kirk cousins contract, which is so much of the debate about Kirk cousins has to come down to the contract. Um, and instead they didn't do that. They they've kind of called it a competitive rebuild, but a lot of the moves they've made like signings at Smith and bringing Patrick Peterson back. And they had, they brought in like Jordan Hicks to replace Anthony Barr and uh, Harrison Phillips to replace Michael Pierce, little things like that. Like right. they're telling you, they extend Kirk Cousins another year is the big one. They're telling you that they plan on being a competitive team this year and uh, yeah. competing and for I the NFC North the and trying division. to make a run. Yeah. I think they could win the division. I mean, you look at the NFC right now and it's like, who is the seventh best team in the NFC? Is it the Saints? Is it, you know, the Vikings? That's probably what it will come down to. I think it's very possible to say the Vikings are are one of the more talented. And it, it, it comes down so much to health with them because it's like if that defense can stay healthy, and injury prone players are injury prone. That's kind of my mentality where it's like, if someone is always hurt, they're probably going to get hurt again. <laughs> like that's just how it is with some guys. So to project like total health for the Vikings defense is probably a little silly, a little bit um, optimistic, but you know, they've got that ceiling. They've got that ceiling. And I think the offense is going to be good under, under O'Connell. I think it's going to be a really efficient offense and they're going to make the most of what they have. So it, it really comes down to, especially the secondary in my eyes is like, yeah. can, can someone be an alpha core? Like, can someone in that secondary be good against the wide receiver ones of this league? Or are they going to be kind of picked on like they were last year? So that's kind of what it comes down to to me is health. And like someone in that secondary, whether that be Dantzler, whether that be Booth, I don't know who it's going to be, but someone's got to step up. I think. Yeah. That's what and I'll, I'll throw out the offensive line as well as another thing that's always going to be, kind of a, a key factor for the Vikings. It's yeah. been a weakness for a long time. I think they have a lot of talent there. Just they've poured so much draft capital into that. 
in the in the late Rick Spielman years with Brian O'Neill, I think is one of the best right tackles in the league. Darisaw looks pretty good through one year as her Cleveland, but Garrett Bradbury is still the starting center. He's like yeah. ranked dead last in PFF pass blocking grade basically every year he's been in the league. So can they kind of mitigate that to some extent? Cause it's such a, a weak link thing. So there, there's several key factors like that. I'm, I'm really fascinated for what the Vikings are going to do this season because they basically just said, Hey, like we think the big problem last year was Mike Zimmer, like not necessarily Mike Zimmer, the third down defensive guru, but Mike Zimmer, the head coach, like with his yeah. relationships with people and his game management and like the way that they just completely fell apart at the end of every half and, and game and lost a lot of close games. So um, yeah. making that bet is, is an interesting one. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what's going what's to happen this year, but it's interesting yeah. that I, you, I you think that they have kind of that division winning ceiling. I, I do. I do. I think like there's a world where the Packers offense just can't quite get off the ground. I think there's a world where, um, you know, the offense, David Bakhtiari maybe comes back and he's, I mean, he's he's old. All right. The end comes quickly. Right. So if he's not the guy he used to be, um, if the defense and I've, the Packers defense has let me down so many times that it's like, I feel very, very cautious being like, oh yeah, defense will be great. <laughs> yeah. Like that just never, it never seems to go down like that. So um, I'm optimistic, but I, I, I can see a world where the Packers are a little bit underwhelming. I absolutely can without, with, with Rogers being the age he is, I'm not projecting a big fall off from him with how old Brady is and, you know, how, how some of these quarterbacks have played in their prime, but you got to take it into account. And there are no good wide receivers and the offensive line is like the Packers offensive line coach is like fantastic. And they've got their little holding technique that they can kind of get away with. Some stuff. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to matter. Like who is Vikings fans will agree with you on that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, they will. I always, enjoy... Hey, you know, <laughs> I don't no, know. But, but anyway, um, it doesn't matter who's on the offensive line. It seems to always be yeah. fine. Like Yash and Ejman or, or whoever is there, like, Last year, it was a really beat up unit and they still weren't like noticeably horrible. Jenkins yeah. would have been a better pick for the Vikings in 2019 than Bradbury. I'll say that uh, he's good. Yeah. But and I think we can kind of safely probably both agree that like it's a two team race in the division. I don't think the Bears are lying with all due respect to Dan Campbell and yeah. Justin Fields. I think even in their best case scenario, it's, it's not this year. I do think the Lions are, are close to being good. They've got a really good offensive line. All five positions are, are pretty good starters. The wide receiving core of Amon Ra, Jamison Williams, and TJ Chark, and TJ Hawkinson with DeAndre Swift. It's like if they had a quarterback, that offensive infrastructure is like, like about as good as you can ask for. Uh, mm -hmm. On defense, they've added Hutchinson. They've got um, Aquara coming back. Like maybe this is year that corner whose name I'm forgetting right now. Okuda? Uh, yeah, Sakuda, like he's coming back. Maybe this, maybe this is a fine a year where he finally gets right. I, I do think that like the Lions could be a surprising team, um, but I don't know if I'm I'm banking on it right now. But okay. I do think their rebuild is going pretty well so far. Yeah, and one last but thing yeah, I want to, yeah, the Bears don't have NFL talent. <laughs> sorry, one la well, sorry, two last things. First is to tie back to TikTok. This a last Vikings thought is: Have you seen Rick Spielman's TikTok yes. page? I was actually and, and what are your what are your thoughts? I think it's very funny that Rick Spielman is on in, on TikTok, and it's something when I first made the account, I was like, "Soon, I've got to get big soon before like real guys start to come on here." <laughs> and Rick Spielman is definitely like a real like he's a former GM, so it's like that's a real analyst or like a real dude who knows what's up. So it's been nice like to see that 
like real names on that platform kind of legitimizing things. But when it comes to Spielman's analysis, he's very like basic, I think. I wish he was like a little bit more in depth using like his experience and saying like, here is what I would have done as the GM. But instead he's like giving very basic, he's like, here's what I think of the Broncos. I'm really interested to see what Russell Wilson's going to do in that new offense. Yeah. And he'll be like, Jerry Judy, will he break out? It's like, well, what do you think, Rick? Like, yeah, yeah. Former GM, what do you like? Do you think he's going to or is he not? He's like, Patrick Zertan, that's a great young corner. It's like, well, yeah, how good is he, Rick? It's like, I wish he was kind of like going a little bit more in depth things instead of just kind of like giving some some brief overviews. And I'm like, okay, like, yeah, you're right, Rick. But he also danced one time, he was like dancing. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I think that was like on like a burner account or a pri- like. Maybe he meant to. I don't know what he was doing? He's good. It got on. it got out on Twitter though. That was just that was interesting. Um. Anyways, one last thing. I'm gonna put you on the spot here and um. Give me your early Super Bowl prediction, which you can you can modify later if you want to make an official prediction. But what are you thinking right now for the two teams? I'm thinking. I'm banking. I'm saying 49ers, and I'm saying Ravens. Those are my two wow. teams. I, I'm a I'm a Lance fan. I think that. He is better than everybody's giving him credit for. I think Shanahan, like with a half decent quarter, because Garoppolo is not that guy. With a quarterback that is that guy and a running quarterback that he can like design like even more misdirection and, and read option and and add a gap like a gap that you have to account for with with a running quarterback. I think that could be super special. I think the defense is good. I think like that's a team in the NFC that could really be dangerous if Lance is better than Garoppolo and I really think that he could be and then in the AFC I'm going with um I don't know if I was expecting you to say the Bills because that seems to be yes, the trendy pick I'm going right with now the Ravens because my like thought it. is this usually every Super Bowl winning quarterback of like the past several decades has not been on a huge contract like these massive quarterback contracts they don't win Super Bowls they just don't uh it hasn't happened since like Steve Young I think the number is like 13% of the, the cap going towards the quarterback. So I was looking at teams that don't have that. And that's kind of what I was making my Super Bowl pick on because that's been the trend for a long time. So I thought Lamar Jackson, I still think Lamar Jackson, even though he's kind of had two down years compared to the MVP year, I think Lamar Jackson was playing out of his mind at the beginning of last season. Um, I think that their secondary looks a lot better. I think that I don't know if it's going to be my pick my official pick once we get close to the season um, okay. just because, you know, the weapons are, I love Rashad Bateman as well. Um, I don't know if the weapons go, are go quite as good as the pills, but that was my pick right after the Rams versus um, the Rams versus Bengals Super Bowl ended by like immediately after that ended yeah. like, next year, 49ers versus Ravens. I don't know if I, I still feel all right about the 49ers. I don't know about the Ravens, but that that's, that's what I'm going to say. All right. Like having a having a great quarterback on a cheap contract is is really the best thing you can have. So I think those two teams have a have a good shot. Something that the Vikings do not have, but maybe will someday. Nor the Packers. <laughs> yeah, the that's Packers. true. Um, Theo, thanks so much. This has been really fun. I appreciate you coming on. Um, you can find Theo. I think both TikTok and Twitter are at Theo Ash NFL, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and the Stay Hot podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And follow me on Twitter as well, at Will Raggetts. So thanks for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me.